This is the third Sunday in Lent, and so we are now in week three of our Covenant Sermon Series. This series is looking at our baptismal covenant and the promises that we make to God. You see, God loves us first, and in response to God's love, we then make a series of promises about the way that we will live our lives. Promise one, week one, was about gathering and fellowship and continuing to pray and to learn. Week two, we talked about repentance, to turn back toward God when things go wrong and when we don't do what it is that we wish we would do. And today, we are considering the third promise. This third promise is really about proclaiming the good news of Christ. Will you proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ and we say yes with God's help. Proclaiming the good news of God in Christ by word and example, it's not as easy as it might sound. Today we just heard a passage from Exodus when God delivers the Ten Commandments. This is, in the history of the world, a watershed moment. Not to mention the Abrahamic traditions. You know, this moment changed a people's and then the world forever. And let's just put this in a little bit of historic context, right? So the Israelites inherited a promise that God made to Abraham. And God made that promise to Abraham a long time before they found themselves in slavery in Egypt. There in Egypt, they didn't know what was going to happen. They had forgotten really that God was going to show up and then God showed up in the person of Moses and Moses was that stand-up guy. He had some very effective plagues and he took them out of Egypt and brought them to Mount Sinai and there at the mountain, they received these 10 commandments, this word from God. And it's there when the Israelites began a journey that would create the identity of Judaism that we know. Now those 10 commandments were thought about and prayed about and talked about and written about from many, many different angles. And over the centuries, a very thorough, impressive, incredible set of rules surrounded these fundamental commandments. So much so that by the time that Jesus is there on the scene, Jesus really speaks into what had become a massive detailed legal tradition, very impressive. But that legal tradition that had started off with such good intention, just creating boundaries around who we wanna be had begun to get in the way of simply living. And so Jesus, in multiple different ways, spoke into what the Jewish people were to be doing with those ideas and those rules. And every gospel records it a little differently. But in, the ch in chapter 13 of John, Jesus has this incredible moment where he says to his followers, I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you lo have love for one another. Here in three sentences, Jesus says three times, love one another. It's reminiscent of, that of a similar scene where he says to Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes. And then he says, Peter, do you love me? And he says, um, 
Yes, I just said that. And then he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's like, hello, I have said yes. And he wonders, what is it that Jesus would repeat this question three times? Why would Jesus tell the people a new commandment and say, love one another three times in a row? Y'all, because it's hard. And Jesus knows it's hard. God knows it's hard. In a single phrase, Jesus clarifies everything that had been written about the Ten Commandments, all the laws and the details and the books that had been written about what to do and how to live. Jesus says very simply, love one another. Then he says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciple. Will you proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ? As I was thinking about this sermon, I could not help but think about the old song, They Will Know We Are Christians By Our Love. Remember that one? Now, I grew up knowing that song. I found out it was written in the 60s. Y'all remember a time before that song was written? A few of you. Listen to these lyrics again. We are one in the spirit, we are one in the Lord, and we will pray that all unity will one day be restored. We will walk with each other, we will walk hand in hand, and together we'll spread the news that God is in our land. We will walk with each other, we will work side by side, and we'll guard each other's dignity and serve each other's pride. They will know we are Christians by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. How do you Show your Christianity in the world. They will know we are Christians by our love. Jesus says, they'll know you're my disciples if you love one another. So how do you, how do we actually show our discipleship in the world? If someone did not know that you followed Christianity, that you identified as a disciple of Jesus, how could they discern that, not assume it, but how could they, by the way that you act, by your lifestyle choices, the way you treat people, would someone know, hey, they are Christian? This is a hard question because, you know, the world gets in our way all the time. Years ago, when I was responsible for communications and marketing and that sort of stuff at a parish a few churches ago, I decided it would be such a neat thing if we could get our logo out in the community. And so we made these little stickers with logos and we said, hey, put these on your car, right? And people will see that you go to this church and it's going to be great. And people may ask you about it, right? Okay, that's great. That worked really well. Lots of people put those stickers on their cars and we started to see people driving around in the community with those stickers on their cars, and then can you guess one of the problems? I don't know about you, but when I drive, I would not particularly think that people would know I was Christian. And so what happened was we saw all these people with stickers on their cars. And occasionally we saw someone with a sticker on their car and they would wave someone in, right? They'd wave and they'd smile and it was so nice. Then we would see someone with a sticker on their car who would cut someone off or who would honk really loud or who would be impatient. And we thought, oh no, they know they go to church with us. 
This kind of labeling, letting people know who you are, letting people know how you identify can be really hard. Will you proclaim by word and example the good news of God and Christ? This is such a good question because words matter, words count, but actions speak much louder than words. Now, I truly believe when we are in the right frame of mind, right in the right place at the right time, and we're feeling good and God is present and the Spirit's working, we absolutely want to proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ, for sure. But so much of the world gets in the way, and today's gospel lesson speaks explicitly to that problem. Now, I love today's gospel story because I love a passionate Jesus. You know, I'm not so fond of the warm, fuzzy Jesus. I like a Jesus who makes a whip out of cords. You know, that kind of Jesus kind of gets me excited. And today in this gospel lesson, we see Jesus go into the temple, make a whip out of cords and cast the changers out. Listen again, in the temple, Jesus found people selling cattle, sheep and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables and he made a whip of cords and he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers, overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. There's a lot that goes into this story. Information we need to know. At first glance, this seems really ugly. Right? These people are in there making the temple a marketplace. You're thinking, how in the world did that happen? Well, it happened because the feast was near. And so good Jews were coming to the temple to worship. And how did those good Jews worship? They made a sacrifice. Well, if you had to travel a long way, it was hard to bring something with you. And so what happened? The people who lived near brought some stuff to the temple. They had the doves and the sheep and the cattle and all the stuff that good worshipful Jews needed in order to worship properly at the temple. It was an early convenience store. That's really what was going on here. People brought these things as a convenience to the good faithful people who were coming to worship at the temple so they didn't have to bring their own doves all the way from wherever it was they were traveling from. And so in a sense, this marketplace was good. It was there to help people worship properly. But as often happens, those good convenient things began to get in the way. And rather than it being helpful to be worshipful, it became a hindrance and a distraction and an ugly, messy, broken thing in the temple itself. And Jesus saw that the world had gotten in the way and he cast them out. This is our story. We know that left to our own devices with the world weighing in on us and pushing us. We can't be the people we want to be. We need God to cleanse us. We need God to heal us in our messy brokenness. 
We come together to ask God to be present, to ask God to help make us whole. Jesus sees that the imperfection of the world creeps in on all of us. And in our covenant promise, offers once again to help cleanse our mess and heal what is broken. Today we come together in this third Sunday in Lent, called once again to proclaim the good news of God in Christ. As we think and pray and meditate on this promise, I hope we know that we are not alone. God does not leave us to our own devices. God is available here to fix and cleanse and heal and put us back together so that we can proclaim in what we say and what we do, truly good news. How will they know that we are Christian? They will know by our love. Amen.